Thank you for joining me for our fourth midweek Lenten service. On Wednesday night, Pastor Roger Kneprath from St. Luke and Jackson will be here to look at a portion of scripture from John chapter 12, verses 20 to 33, as he'll be looking at Jesus' final steps led to some Greeks. I'm going to share with you a little devotion on that, reading my look at that text in a moment. But let's begin with the order of service that's in our Lenten bulletin. Hasten to save me, O God. O Lord, come quickly to help me. Evening, morning, and noon, I cry out in distress, and he hears my voice. You are my God, have mercy on me, Lord. For I call to you all day long. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Let us confess our sins. In the name of our God, to whom all hearts are open, and from whom no secrets are hidden. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence, or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Jesus says to his people, if you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. His death paid for the guilt of your sins and the sins of the whole world. Do you believe this? By the authority of Christ, I forgive you your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You are a dear child of God and an heir of eternal life. Today we continue our look at the passion history of our Savior. Tonight we're looking at the third lesson from the Passion History from Matthew chapter 26, verses 57 to 75. First, Jesus' first trial in the Sanhedrin. Those who had arrested Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the experts in the law and the elders were assembled. Peter was following him at a distance and went as far as the courtyard of the high priest. He went inside and sat down with the guards to see how it would turn out. The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false testimony against Jesus so that they could put him to death. They found none, even though many false witnesses came forward. Finally, two came forward and said, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. The high priest stood up and said to him, 
Have you no answer? What is this these, that these men are testifying against you? But Jesus remained silent. Then the high priest said to him, I place you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, It is as you have said, but I tell you, soon you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his robes and said, He has spoken blasphemy. Why do we need any more witnesses? See, you have just heard the blasphemy. What do you think? They answered, He is deserving of death. Then they spit in his face and punched him. Some slapped him and said, Prophesy, us to, prophesy to us, Christ, who hit you? And Peter denies Jesus. Meanwhile, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. A servant girl came to him and said, You were also with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it in front of everyone, saying, I don't know what you're talking about. When Peter went out, in, out to the entryway, someone else saw him and said to those who were there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. Again, Peter denied it with an oath and said, I do not know the man. After a little while, those who stood by came and said to Peter, Surely you are also one of them, because even your accent gives you away. Then he began to curse and to swear, I do not know the man. Just then the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. We'll sing our hymn for today. And that's hymn number 98, Jesus I Will Ponder Now. Jesus, I will ponder now on your holy passion. With your spirit me endow for such meditation. Grant that I in love and faith may the image cherish of your suffering, pain, and death, that I may not perish. Make me see your great distress, anguish, and affliction, bonds and stripes and wretchedness, and your crucifixion. Make me see how scourge and rod, spear and nails did wound you, how for them you died, O God, who with thorns had crowned you. Yet, O Lord, not thus alone, make me see your passion, but its cause to me make known, 
and its termination. I also and my sin wrought your deep affliction. This indeed the cause has been of your crucifixion. If my sins give me alarm, and my conscience grieve me, let your cross my fear disarm, peace of conscience give me, help me see forgiveness won by your holy passion, if for me he slays his son, God must have compassion. The blood of Jesus, God's Son, purifies us from all sin. Amen. The Word of God we want to consider this evening is, as I had mentioned, from John chapter 12, verses 20 to 33, where John, the Apostle John writes, Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we want to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew came in with Philip and told Jesus. Jesus answered them, The time has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Amen, amen, I tell you. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it continues to be one kernel. But if it dies, it produces much grain. Anyone who loves his life destroys it. And the one who hates his life in this world will hold on to it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, this is the reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. A voice came from heaven. I have glorified my name, and I will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard it and said it thundered. Others said an angel talked to them to him. Jesus answered, This voice was not for my sake, but for yours. Now is the judgment of the world. Now the ruler of this world will be thrown out, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to indicate what kind of death he was going to die. Let's bow our heads for prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. Lord, our strength and our salvation. Amen. My dear fellow Christians who are following in the footsteps of our Savior, when our Savior stood before Annas, Annas was the father-in-law of the high priest, well, when he was standing before Annas, 
during the first of those mockeries of justice, those trials that Jesus had to endure throughout the night on Maundy Thursday evening, Annas asked our Lord about his disciples and about his teaching. Jesus' response, I have spoken openly to the world. I always taught in the synagogue or at the temple where all the Jews gathered. I said nothing in secret. Why are you questioning me? Are those who heard what I told them? Are asked those who heard what I told them. Look, they know what I said. When he said this, one of the guards standing there hit Jesus in the face. Is that how you answer the high priest, he demanded? The guard hit Jesus, another one of those atrocities that our Savior suffered for our sake as he was taking his final steps to Golgotha, to the cross, to suffer and die for us. Well, tonight though, let's in focus instead on not those atrocities as he was taking those final steps, but on what Jesus said. And he said again, I have spoken openly to the world. I always taught in a synagogue or at the temple where all the Jews gather. I said nothing in secret. Do you realize how much public speaking Jesus actually did during Holy Week? On Monday of Holy Week, he cleansed the temple and he was preaching to the people then. And then on Tuesday, he came back to the temple courts and he was preaching and teaching to the people then. And, and he didn't shy away from these dangerous opportunities to talk about God's grace and love. He spoke about well, law and gospel, he spoke about that even in those times of confrontation with the Jewish leaders. And he didn't fail to testify, well, for the sake of those lost sinners who yearned to hear from about Jesus' mission, to hear him teach. Well, instead, what we can see tonight is his final steps led to some Greeks. Another time when Jesus talked about God's plan. When he didn't shy from talking about God's plan, but he kept on faithfully talking about God's grace and love, God's plan of salvation. His final steps tonight led to some Greeks and his mission, of course, to bring life to us all and to bring glory to his Father. The event we're looking at this evening, it occurred, occurred on the Tuesday of Holy Week, most likely on Tuesday of Holy Week. Our reading says, Greeks went up to worship at the festival. Greeks who came, went up to worship at the festival came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we want to see Jesus. These Greeks, of course, they were non-Jews who were converts to Judaism. And the Jews gave them the title of being proselytes of the gates. And what that meant is that they could join the Jews in worship, but they had to remain in the outer temple courtyard, the court of the Gentiles. And now that's the same courtyard 
where Jesus, which Jesus had cleansed on the Monday of Holy Week, throwing out the money changers and the merchants with their sacrificial animals. And, well, Jesus was doing that because that was where the Gentiles could meet and he wanted it to be a place for them for quiet meditation and for prayer. These Greeks, they were people who would have known the Old Testament. They knew the, would have known the prophecies about the Messiah, like Isaiah 35, which says, then the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf will be unplugged. The crippled will leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute will sing for joy. Since word of Jesus' miracles was spreading like wildfire, including the miracle of raising Lazarus from the dead, these Greeks must have wondered, could this Jesus finally be the promised one? So our reading says they came to see Jesus, but they didn't approach Jesus directly. Instead, they went to Philip and why did they do that? Why did they go to Philip? Well, Philip is a Greek name. He was from Bethsaida in Galilee. So maybe, maybe Philip was more fluent in the Greek language than the other disciples, or, or maybe his Greek name made them feel that Philip would be more likely to bring them to Jesus in the first place. But, well, Philip, he decided to get a second opinion, so he went to Andrew to check and see what he thought about the situation. And, well, why was that? Because Jesus, during his ministry, had made it clear on a number of occasions, well, he said that he was sent to the lost sheep of Israel, and, well, not to the Gentiles, not to the Greeks. For example, when Jesus sent out the 12 on their first missionary experience training exercise, he instructed them, do not go among the Gentiles and do not enter any town of the Samaritans. Go instead to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. However, this same Jesus had also talked about his, he says, other sheep, not of this sheep pen. And more than once, Jesus did reach out to non-Jews. So after Peter, after Andrew and Philip talked about this, they, they took these Greeks to see Jesus. And how did he react? Did he say, hello, friends, Gentile converts, Greek converts, it's good to see you? Well, not exactly. What he did is he was really quite pensive and quite thought-filled. He saw why his final steps led to some Greeks. He saw this another sign on along the path to Golgotha and part of the big picture of, of God's plan of salvation. Well, it says, the time has come, the appointed time that the Lord had chosen from eternity. So Jesus said, Amen, amen, I tell you. As if he was placing his hand on a Bible and was taking an oath and saying, I swear, I tell, I'm telling you the truth. This is important. Listen to me. 
Then came words that tear apart my soul, your soul really too, when, when we read them, because they prove that Jesus knew what lay ahead. The betrayal, the trials, the mockery, the scourging, the spitting, the hitting, the hate, the cross. Jesus knew that. Jesus said, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it continues to be one kernel. But if it dies, it produces much grain. Jesus is that kernel of wheat, that single seed that would go to the cross to die for all of us. He is that kernel of wheat that would be laid to rest in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea late Good Friday afternoon. He's the kernel of wheat that would be raised from the dead on Easter Sunday morning to prove that he had earned life for us all. He's the kernel of wheat that the Apostle Paul was talking about, thinking about when he wrote about his victory and said, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And Jesus said, if it dies, it produces much grain. These words help to explain why you and I don't have to be afraid, even during things like worldwide pandemics. Not that we have a crystal ball that tells us that we never get sick. We might get sick and, well, I can't quote a Bible verse that guarantees we won't die from any potentially fatal disease. But that won't take away from us. If we get sick, if we die from some fatal disease, it won't take away from us God's gracious gift of eternal life. A gift that's ours because Jesus, that kernel of wheat, went to the ground on Good Friday and, and came out on Easter Sunday morning. So it's, my Savior's words I'll seek to follow right now. I pray you will too, where he said, anyone who loves this life destroys it, and the one who hates his life in this world will hold on to it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. On another day, Jesus said basically the same thing using some similar but different words. He said, if anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. In fact, whoever wants to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. We believers are in this world to serve. That's why God lets us stay here. We're called to be light and salt of the world. And that doesn't change when there's a pandemic, when there's a stay-at-home order or other restrictions. It, it just means that maybe the way in which we'll serve will be different. Well, we've changed a lot of things about how we do things in church just because of pandemic conditions and how we reach people, doing so much more online, 
through YouTube, through conference call to try to reach people that maybe we never would have done or wouldn't have been moved to so quickly. But we still keep on trying to serve. We still keep on trying to serve while at the same time we don't put the Lord to the test. You know, I'm not going to hop in my car, put on a blindfold and speed down the highway at 90 miles an hour and, and God forbid that I would do something like that. So at, at a time like this, we're not going to be reckless or disregard good health habits, good products, good health practices. Instead, we're going to be careful. We don't want to be people who would spread disease. We're going to be careful, but we're still going to do everything that we can to reach out with the gospel message. Now here we see Jesus, his final steps led to some Greeks. And his audience with these Greeks, Greeks is very important and, and special for us because you and I also are in that category of Greeks. Our Savior, he wanted us to know that he came to bring life for all. That's why his final steps led to some Greeks. But there's also another reason, and that was he wanted his final steps to bring glory to his Father. Moments ago, I said that Jesus was quite pensive, thought-filled as these Greeks came to him. He saw how all of God's plan for the salvation of souls, how everything was coming together, coming to the forefront, and he knew that his appointment with the cross, it was, it was close at hand. And imagine how all of that had to weigh on the Savior knowing that what he was going to do is he was going to take our place on the cross to suffer the torments of hell for us, to suffer for the sins of the entire human race, whether that's the sins of Adolf Hitler or Saddam Hussein, Ivan the, uh, Ivan the Terrible, the Apostle Paul, the chief of sinners, or you and me, came to pay for the sins of all, of all people, of all times, of all the sins that are being committed. Oh, think of sins that may have been committed during the time of the pandemic. Oh, people panicking, fighting in store aisles over toilet paper. And, and for the sin, the big sins that, what we sometimes think of as being big sins that people commit, like murder, Child molestation, serial killing, purposely plowing your vehicle into a group of pedestrians or pulling out a gun and firing on students. You know, Jesus came to die for those sins and, and he also died for the so-called little sins too. Oh, every time a husband maybe just kind of zones out and doesn't really listen to his wife, pay attention to what his wife is saying, or, or every time a wife picks up on the fact that her husband isn't looking and gives him that evil look back. Well, Jesus was going to shoulder the crushing weight of all of our sin 
and paid for all of our sin and our guilt and our selfishness and everything. Therefore, he'd be separated from the Father, enduring the real agony of hell. And he knew it. He knew that's what was happening as his final steps led to some Greeks. That's why he said, Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, this is the reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Two days later, in the Garden of Gethsemane, when the cross loomed even larger, our Savior prayed again, and he was sweating as if it was like drops of blood. He muttered these words from the very depths of his soul. He said, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And well, moments later, he roused his disciples from their sleep and, and said, Look, the hour is near, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Look, my betrayer is near. Jesus set his face, the scriptures say, like flint. He never wavered. He never turned away from the Father's plan to save you and me. He gave glory to his Father with a devotion that was 100% faithful and pure. And the Father knew it. That's why scripture says, a voice came from heaven. I have glorified my name and I will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard it and said it thundered. Others said an angel talked to him. Jesus answered, this voice was not for my sake, but for yours. This actually is the third time that the scriptures reveal to us that the Father spoke from the clouds and, and each time was because he delighted in his son's perfect obedience and perfect devotion. The first time, well, that was at Jesus' baptism. At Jesus' baptism, when the Father said, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. And the second time, that was at Jesus' transfiguration, celebrated transfiguration just a few weeks ago, that time when he was on that mountain, Peter, James, and John were there, and Jesus was transfigured so that his glory beamed as bright as the sun, and Moses and Elijah were there talking to him about, it says, his departure in Jerusalem, his death on the cross. And when the Father said again, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased, listen to him. Now here in front of us, we have the third time the Father spoke. I have glorified my name and I will glorify it again. For three years, Jesus' perfect ministry brought his Father glory. So Jesus, so with Jesus' final steps, his crucifixion and his resurrection, bring glory to the Father in his moment of reflection, 
Jesus saw clearly the cross ahead as he was witnessing to these Greeks. He said, now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be thrown out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to indicate what kind of death he was going to die. When Jesus talked here about being lifted up from the earth, he used the same term that he had used three years earlier with Nicodemus, you know, a member of the Jewish ruling council who did help to bury Jesus. When Nicodemus came in the middle of the night to learn about God's plan of salvation, it was through a savior, he said, lifted up, lifted up his crucifixion. For when our savior hung on that cross, that was the time, as he says here, for the judgment of the world all the sins of all people of all time hung there on Jesus. They were plastered on him. He was carrying them all and enduring the full punishment for all of them, your sins and mine. And in that moment, the ruler of the world, he says, was thrown out. The devil's power over us was crushed. And the Father was glorified yet again. Jesus' final steps led to some Greeks who brought this request. Sir, we want to see Jesus. We'll often use those words as a personal prayer before worship. We'd like to see Jesus. And I can't think of a more important reason for gathering together in God's house to see Jesus at a time of crisis or problem or trouble or a time of calm in this world or a time of blessing or a time of loss through all the twists and turns of this life can anything be more important than seeing Jesus above all? Oh, the writer to the Hebrews didn't think there was anything more important. That's why he wrote, let us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, who is the author of our faith and the one who brings it to its goal. Amen. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, shall keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, send your Holy Spirit into our hearts to direct and rule us according to your will, to comfort us in all afflictions, to defend us from all error, and to lead us into all truth. We pray through the merits of Jesus Christ, our Savior, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you always. Amen.
Thank you for joining me again for this look at our Wednesday midweek Lenten service worship. We have two more Wednesdays to go and then we have Monday, Thursday or Holy Thursday and Good Friday and then Easter which is coming very quickly. The Lord continue to bless and keep us during this Lenten season as we think about our Savior's passion and all he's done to save us from our sins and and like those Greeks, let's also be saying, we want to see Jesus. The Lord bless and keep you.